Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. I, I uh, am a habitual, like I, ne- I never close anything on my laptop ever. Uh, you're that guy. I'm, yeah, dude, I'm such a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I never close any windows. I never close any tabs. I never close any, like, until my RAM actually starts, like, acting up because it can't handle, like, all this shit. Then I start closing stuff. But um, my my laptop actually, like, powered down for the first time in a long time. And uh, everything's closed now. So now I have a fresh start. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting. And, uh, yes, to your point... Uh, I got married yesterday. Congratulations. So, thank you, man. Thank you. I mean, it wasn't like we're still uh, Tori specifically didn't want it to be like the celebration part of it because like she doesn't want to take away from the thing that we the day. Know, it's all about it. the yeah, day. It's all about the day. You get it. Yeah. You know, you know what's up. But this um, is just the logistical boring stuff. Right. Right. Exactly. This is the government stuff and the the taxes and blah, 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 blah. So uh, paper married. uh had uh, had a few drinks last night. Had a few Sonoran dogs last night. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, uh, good times were had by all. What's uh, what's new with you? Um, let's see. Uh, we've been working on the podcast some more. Yeah, uh, released a trailer, so the trailer should be out there. There's a trailer out there. Is this on yeah. the YouTube's? No, it's going to be on the podcast networks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I we're like doing a this. podcast trailer so people can subscribe for the next month. I love it. While we push it. And then uh, hopefully we launch on the 23rd of February. Fingers crossed. Beautiful. I am uh, working with a team of writers on this. And okay. I've always heard people make this complaint that, oh, this meeting could have been an email. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm on the other side of that now. And that is, oh, you're not responding to my emails. We better have a meeting. Uh, that's not a good place to be. And it, uh, I get both sides of the story now. I mm-hmm. understand why people want meetings versus just sending an email. Yeah, but here's, here's my thing with meetings, right? <clears throat> I follow, and I don't know if this is actually true. I don't know if this is actually, you know, this is just one of those things that you read on the internet somewhere. Um, but they say that Jeff Bezos doesn't have meetings with more people than can be fed by two pizzas. Now, I can eat a whole pizza by myself. So that really limits the amount of people that we can have. But basically, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, to- though, that they're regular pizza size, not like bagel bites. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully not bagel bites. But yeah, I mean, depending on like, uh, obviously, I'm not taken down. Like, where's that place that makes the really fucking huge pizzas in Tucson? Is it called Grandma Tony's? Mama's Pizza? Mama's Pizza. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grandma Mama's Pizza. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not taking down a Mama's Pizza by myself. But it's like most other places, you know, I, I can I can do it. But the point is, or why that's important is because... Uh, like I've been to too many meetings at my job where we're just, we're just, you know, we're getting started on something. It's, we have really broad topics that we need to cover. Someone gives out the agenda and then, you know, right off the bat, somebody just asks like a question about, well, what about the tax implications of X, Y, Z? And then before you know it, we spend the next hour just talking about tax. 
and uh, we didn't accomplish shit. So then we have to reschedule another meeting. And that's what happens when you have like 14 people in a meeting. It's completely fucking useless. Pare it down to just the people who need to be there. No need to have anybody else. Yeah, I guess so. And also uh, establish an agenda and stick to it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do do that. You know, man, I'm, I got to say I'm like a little distracted right now because um, my house is poorly insulated just in general. But we turned the heat off because we weren't here, you know, right. uh, overnight. It's it, We came back in. The thermostat's reading 59 degrees in here. That's oh, a little chilly. That's a little chilly. This is the worst. That's why you got your uh, cardigan on. Yeah, that's why, that's why I've got my Mr. Rogers cardigan on and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's exciting. Uh, does your scripted podcast have anything to do with all the gear that I see behind you? For for listeners, I see some like sound dampening stuff. I see some insulation. Chris has got all kinds of stuff behind him. What's going on there? Uh, my office is a mess right now, and I kind of hate it. Uh, so two of the actors for the podcast requested to record together. And it's tough to do that in my tiny little office. It's like a 20 by 30 room, I guess. Well, I would say it's, it's tough to do that without like a very professional setup, right? Right, which I don't have. Right. I have a semi-professional setup. Well, because we're podcasting just you and me, you're rarely like you're not doing something with another person right next to you. Like, that'd Yeah, be you're in crazy. a different city. We're in different rooms. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's easier this way. Yeah. But the two actors wanted to be able to do the scene together. Mm -hmm. And so I had to uh, come up with a way that was COVID safe mm -hmm. in this jankety building that has poor <laughs> insulation and, and air circulation. I had to establish a way to make that possible because we had one actor that is extremely concerned about it, like mm -hmm. has barely left her house this mm -hmm. entire quarantine, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I respect. And then on the flip side, we have someone that is not as serious about it mm -hmm. and is kind of going about her usual life, usual, wearing a mask yeah. everywhere, uh, life uh, mask everywhere, just, you know, just doing her thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm also okay with it. At least she's wearing a mask. Yeah. 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 And so we are, I had to put these two in the same building at the same time to record. And it was, mm -hmm. what do you do? So I had to build these miniature sound booths for these two offices on the other side of my wall. And uh, it was a pain in the butt and also kind of expensive. <laughs> oh, 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 damn. So it. I, I bought two inch thick foam insulation panels from Lowe's mm -hmm. and I got three for each room. And then I put those uh, foam sound things that everybody has on their walls, the, mm -hmm. the squares with the lines on it that look like like cheese graters. I don't know. That like, like they have ridges that look like ruffle chips. Okay, sure. But, but squares. <laughs> and then uh, and then I got some sound blankets and some rugs and we're yeah, bing bang boom. Then I had a bunch buy a bunch of cabling to uh, set up monitors. So I had to oh. put two monitors in each room so they could read the script at the same time. And it was uh, a lot. I'm actually uh, happy with the setup. Uh-huh. Uh, my execution was a little half-assed because I needed like one more day to put it all together. Uh -huh. I uh, misjudged my time, uh, my timing and how long it would take me to set this up. <laughs> but uh, the quality is slightly subpar than what it was for the first episode, but mm. the performances are way better. So it's kind of like uh, 
you give some, you take some. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you're not coming with two full hands either way. Yeah. So I think for the next round, we're going to slice because the panels are eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. So they don't make six feet ones. I want to cut <laughs> off two feet from the top of each panel and then make a roof for each of them and then get more of these foam things. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that'll make everything way better. Man, this is I got I got to say what I admire about you, though, is you're a, you're a doer. You just like you're like, ah, they they want to record in, in the same space. Like we're going to figure out how to do it. We're just going to find all the pieces and just start executing like j- just for like context. Uh, how did you go about like, you know, like, did you size up your room and start to like think about how you're going to do this? Did you research like sound dampening or like what? How did you get started with that? I did a, a quick Google of a DIY sound booths, a quick Googs, a quick Googs. And a lot of them were pretty permanent structures built into garages. Mm. And I was not for that. And then I found one that was not permanent. Yeah. And that's the, that's the model I followed. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I, the only reason I ask is because I'm a, uh, I don't know if you also noticed, but there's not as much shit in this room. Yeah. There's a mirror in there. Is that there's to make it look bigger? No. Did I tell you about the mirror? No. Is that okay. a, is it a deal? Is it a big deal? Kind of. I mean, it's it's an interesting. Okay. So as you know, I work for sales reps who make a lot of money, right? Someone bought you a mirror from work. Yeah, but not. This is. Have you seen those Hulu commercials? This is the mirror. It's like. Oh, this is the exercise one that you told us about ex- last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's actually pretty cool. I got to say, I, I actually I was super skeptical because I was like. I don't like these like cheesy things like Peloton where it's like, oh, you're working out with somebody like, you know, whatever. But it's actually pretty cool. I got to say it's very convenient. So it looks like a real mirror. I thought you someone bought you like a <laughs> just a mirror, <laughs> just a mirror from work. I was like, that's a weird. Well, that's a weird gift, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I actually, you know, I dig it. I dig it. It, uh, it, it works really well. And uh, but now the question is, like, what am I doing with the rest of this room? So I'm going to make this a little bit more podcast friendly. That's my, you know, I'm going to start building up some space. So if you have any gear recommendations, any stuff that, you know, you think would uh, kind of help our, uh, our, our system, help our sound, help our, you know, whatever, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll get it going. There's a little bit more of an echo in this room now, though, I'm noticing. Yeah, that's what happens when you take everything out. Yeah, like the, there was a bed, there was all kinds of stuff in here. Now it's pretty much empty. So uh, there's a little bit more of an echo, which kind of drives me crazy. That's hap- that's what happened in the because um, I didn't have a roof set up in these little sound booths yet. I just mm-hmm. had blanket blankets on top, mm-hmm. uh, and the rooms were empty that I, that we were using, and there was a little bit of an echo still leaking through. Damn, are you, are you still gonna have these structures up in like uh, a little while? Because I kind of want to come check this out. They are now portable. I'm gonna I'm gonna construct them to where they can just be uh, put up and then taken down easily. Because we're only recording like one day a month, like two days a month, so. I just got to store these panels till we need to record. Let's uh, put a pin in that because I think that that really helps our like you and I's other project here. Like if you have a mobile unit, essentially, so you can podcast from anywhere. Uh huh. Well, to get to to your location, it would be uh ordeal i think oh no 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 no! not that i'm talking about uh the the podcast network i actually had a uh very uh well not very drunk but like a kind of drunk conversation with uh somebody who is already has a brand on instagram she uh like is one of those uh like influencers okay okay and she wants to start a podcast so i was like you know, chatting about it and, and seeing what the what the thing was. And she doesn't know how to get started and do all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, 
you're already monetizing one thing. We can we can talk about monetizing the other. But uh, so, you know, some positive cash flow would be a good thing. But who yeah. knows if this is the type of person who like, you know, obviously, I think fit is the number one thing that we have to look out for first before we start, like just looking for, you know, somebody who's going to be a cash cow because we do want to make sure they fit with like what we do, how regimented we are, structure, like all that kind of stuff. But just just uh, some low hanging fruit there that uh, I saw an opportunity for. All right. All right. I dig it. I so, dig it. And hey, maybe uh, she can then trade and show me how to set up a good social media account because pff, I suck at that stuff. <laughs> like I'm just no good at that. Um, so it'd be good. But uh, all right. Well, uh, after that <laughs> long winding aside, uh, Chris and I just had to catch up a little bit. But uh, if, if you recall, if you're if you're a listener of the Ramen Profitable, uh, you recall that we just finished our series on the 2021 Entrepreneur's Toolkit. And through that conversation, Chris and I really uh, were kind of making a lot of references to Tim Ferriss's uh, The Four Hour Workweek, which I think that book's pretty old. Like basically what we what we asserted let me look up the original uh, publishing date. Uh, but basically, we asserted that, you know, we felt that some of the stuff in the four-hour work week was really useful to read and stuff like that. But it also may be a little bit dated, right? Like, it's a little uh, a little outdated. What do you think? Well, I, I feel like it was originally published in 2007. So yeah. that's, that's a solid 14 years of oh my God. Uh, time there. But I do think... And I feel like the studies that happened inside the book happened years before the book actually came out. So it's even more dated, I believe. Right. And I, I don't... be 20 years plus or something. I feel like the methods and the tactics uh, executed in the book are dated yeah. and kind of frowned upon. I feel like a lot of people are judging them nowadays. Mm. Yeah, you know? th- there, was, there was a little bit... Uh, there's... Because there's a still... I, I have to admit, I reread, um, and to be fair, I did a pretty speed read on it because i did it in uh three days so uh i have to say that there was probably i would say there was there was yeah maybe 50 to 60 percent of stuff that i thought was a little dated but there was solid core of like 40 to 50 percent that i think is still a little timeless Uh, agreed i do think there's a lot of uh, a lot of mindset things in this book that Uh, mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. people need to uh, either pop on board with, or I feel like there's two modes of entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. There's the ones that want to live the free spirit life and the ones that want to grind 24 seven. Yeah. Ex- yes, exactly. And it's kind of become like a weird culture thing, right? Right. I mean, people are now just posting freaking Instagram meme quotes like, uh, it's 7am. I've gotten 12 things done. What have you done today? <laughs> it's like nothing. I just woke up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Okay, so basically this episode, Chris and I are going to be diving into the four-hour work week um, and kind of pulling out the, the key things that we thought were valuable or the key things that were necessary. And in our follow-up episode that we planned, we were just going to kind of modernize uh, the, the tools, the tactics, the thought processes that we found in the book. But before we get started, uh, are you a Tim Ferriss fan or how do you feel about him? Um, I'm indifferent about Tim Ferriss. Mm. I you know have his books. I've read them. I've, I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't say I, w- I would follow everything he says. I don't follow him on social media. I don't listen to his podcast. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. See, that's, that's kind of the interesting thing. I do follow him on social media. I do 
subscribe to his podcast, but I'm very picky and choosy about which episodes I listen to. I'm not mm-hmm. listening to, you know, and maybe that's just because I'm not that interested in Silicon Valley or, or something like that. You know what I mean? So it really depends on the guest. Uh, what I really do like about Tim Ferriss and what I think um, is kind of th- definitely something that, you know, I have a, a likeness to a little bit is that he basically just tests everything. That's kind of his his thing is that like he now sometimes I think it's an absolute, you know, kind of bullshit thing because when he had a, a TV show or not a TV show, maybe it was an Internet series. It was called The Tim Ferriss Show, like just like uh-huh. his podcast, but it was called The Tim Ferriss Show. He was doing this thing where he um, he was like, oh, can I? learn effective Brazilian jiu-jitsu in six months time. Like basically he was seeing like, how can I compress a long education period into a small time? So he did it with like being a stock trader. He did it with this, that, you know, whatever. And, um, it's like, dude, you can't. So he wanted to do it with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just right, right off the cuff. I was like, dude, you can't, it's like, you can't game that system. Not everything can become like a speed hack or like a, you know, whatever. So he's kind of like a biohacking guy. Some of that stuff I do. I like some of it. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I find him a really intelligent and, and interesting person. Um, well, I, I do. I do find it interesting that he does test a lot of things. I, yeah. I don't think a lot, enough people do that, yeah. but also with the way he talks I, and I feel like the way he presents himself, it's very efficient. It's mm. like there's little BS. It's just like he yeah. gets to the point. He, uh, it's it's very efficient, and I think I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I I, I agree there, and, and even the way that this book is written, sort of, I I can I can see that. Uh, okay, so the four hour work week. Um, obviously the title. I feel like the title drew more people in than anything, right? Because everyone's desperately trying to escape the forty hour grind, the nine to five, and all that kind of stuff. Basic, I think. And correct me if I'm incorrect here, but I think that the basic overarching uh, uh, like backbone of of this or like thesis statement of this book is that most people sign up for a life where basically you are deferring the uh, adventures and excitement and, you know, whatever that you can have while you're young. You're deferring that for rent from when you're older and retired because then you'll have money or you won't need to make money or you won't be kind of strapped into your job the same way. So you can take months off and go to Spain or do whatever, you know. Um, but the essential premise of this book, what Tim Ferriss is saying is that uh, and, and he introduced it the concept calling it the new rich uh, is the is the kind of moniker that that he says, um, and it's basically just about abandoning that deferring of enjoying life and adventures and all that kind of stuff to create the luxury lifestyles you know in in the present and and that you and basically this is his method as to how you can do that like how you don't have to be tied down to a job how you don't have to be doing X Y Z and you can really change your life so it's not really about um, it's not really like a self-help book in the sense of like um, the secret or something like that, which to be fair, I've never read, but so. you live it. <laughs> you refuse to admit you live it, but you I live, live it. the secret. Yep. Um, but basically what I understood from the secret is like, Oh, here's how you manifest like the life of your dreams and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's less about that. And it's kind of more about um, how you, get back the most precious resource, which is time. Right. Like, I think that's mostly what this book is about. I think there is an argument to be made that they are kind of the same thing. 
How do you mean? So I feel like the secret, like the big takeaway from the secret is a mood board or a vision board. Yeah, vision board. Yeah. So you just you uh, be like, I want to live on the beach when drive four Ferraris and have six <laughs> cups of coffee a day. Like you, you make this vision board. And what you're basically doing is you're setting goals for yourself. It's like, this is the life I want. You are defining your lifestyle that you would prefer to be living. And, mm. and I feel like having a definition like that automatically puts you on a trajectory towards it because it's something that's defined. It's not this unknown that you get right. when you are working nine to five for Johnson and Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. While you're working for, you know, and actually that's, that's funny that you bring that up because you're right. That's, that's pretty true because the first thing that's, that's uh, one of the first sections in the book is about definitions uh-huh. And so you're you're specifically defining what you're and, and this is a repeating pattern. I'm actually glad that you brought that up. Um, this is a repeating pattern. So when you see something in in life that's kind of like this, where it's the same concept repeated over a number of different authors and number of different, you know, uh, speakers, another number of different podcasts, et cetera, there has to there's a little bit of validity there just because multiple people are arriving at the same conclusion. It kind of gets tested out. So one of the things that that, you know, if, if Tim Ferriss and the secret and, you know, whatever, it's like the secret's a little woo woo. But, you know, so is the four hour work week, to be honest, it's a little woo woo. It really is. Yeah. Um, but but if one of the things that they say is that it's critical for you to define or like uh, I keep referencing that guy, Ramit Sethi's book, uh, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. It's like one of the things that he makes clear in the initial chapters is. No, I, I'm not saying that like everybody is going to be a, you know, billionaire driving their four Ferraris yeah. or, or whatever. But what I'm saying is you can define what your rich life looks to you, like looks like to you. So what are your priorities? And I can teach you how you can get there. Uh-huh. So that's kind of the same thing. You, you, I'm glad you brought that up because that's true. That's a repeated theme amongst most of these uh, kind of books, like the, these kinds of things that like. You have to have clear sights on your goals in order to actually, you know, set that trajectory and really be working towards them. And man, I can't tell you how valuable that is. It's it's like for the first time, like I'm really kind of working in that manner now. Uh, but before I was kind of just doing things just to check boxes, like just to get this degree or just to do X, Y, Z. Like I wasn't doing anything with any intent or purpose. And that kind of therefore doesn't, it, you don't end up getting where you want to go if you're not like driving yourself there essentially even the theory behind this podcast of being ramen profitable it's like what's the what is our main like bare minimum goal yeah <laughs> you know it's like like i know that sounds terrible but like what is the least amount you can make to be profitable right. ramen yeah. profitable and, exactly and you don't have to overwork or set a guy a goal that's way so that's so high it's unachievable so you're right. kind of reeling in your expectations and finding fulfillment in smaller achievements versus massive goal society is set on you because right exactly it's i'm not trying to drive this podcast to be more popular than the joe rogan experience like that's not (laughs) what i'm trying to do right or like mark maron's podcast or like any of these like institutions that's that's not what we're trying to do we have different goal sets and we have different things that we're working towards that are not just the the like oh i I want to be an astronaut you know what i mean like there's there's Uh more specificity there um, yeah. Okay. So actually very glad you brought that up, but basically the way that the book is structured and kind of the, um, the mechanisms or I don't know how to describe it. The, it's sort of like, uh, he, he builds a strategy 
for the readers based on um, an acronym that's that's DEAL, D-E-A-L. Uh, although he does say that you can switch the L and the A depending on um, if you are currently in a nine to five job. So so that, I, I actually thought that part was kind of interesting. But here's sort of where I start to see that um, it's a little dated. Uh, here's where that really starts to come out because the chapters beforehand are really just about theory and about how you're going to like set your trajectory and do that kind of stuff. It's like, that's probably timeless. Like, I j- like we've discovered you and me personally, we've discovered how powerful it is when you actually write stuff down. Right. Yeah. Like right. even just things like that. And that's just a universal concept. That's not, I don't think that concept is owned by any one person. Nobody coined that basically. It's, it's just a universal concept. So similarly, I think the four hour work week sort of starts with those, those universal concepts. But then, so when he gets into deal, essentially it's a D for definition, uh, you have to redefine your rules and objectives of the game. You have to, so basically the, the game is thought of as, you know, 40 years in company, whatever, Johnson and Johnson, you get a gold watch at the end, you retire. Now you're 65 and you hopefully have enough money to retire and blah, blah, blah. What he's saying is we're turning that kind of, we're flipping the script and you are going to define for yourself what a really successful, nice life, life looks like. And if that means that you're spending six months out of the year in Bali, Indonesia, well, then that's that you don't have to play by the same rules. You don't have to have the same objection or ob- mm-hmm. objectives rather. Um, E is for elimination. And this one is probably actually the one that rang the most true for me. Uh, whereas. Oh, yeah. I thought about you when I was looking over this one. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is something that like actually I I read this chapter twice because I was just like I need to do much much <laughs> More of this. much better at this yeah but like this is this is definitely my Achilles heel so I don't even feel competent talking about it but E is elimination so what he basically proposes is not time management by you know getting a fancier uh, calendar or a to do list which is basically what I do all the time, right? I like, I find a new thing and it's like, all right, this is now I'm going to time chunk my calendar and I'm going to put it in my to-doist and stuff, which is all great stuff. But what he's arguing is essentially the only way that you're really moving forward or is, is by eliminating some of this stuff that is just not critical for you to be doing. Right. And I overcommit to shit all the time. I take on too much stuff. I do other people's jobs. Like I am not, doing well with this step at all. Like if I'm working towards the four hour work week, this is definitely where most of my attention needs to be placed. But there's also a part of it about consuming information, whether it's the news or reading books on subjects, you're not, uh, you don't understand that well. Yeah. It's like, how can you narrow that down to just five minutes a day or a single conversation? It's, it's, uh, not reading 95 books in three weeks or whatever you do. Yeah. What did he say about, it's about, you know, effectiveness and efficiency. Like there's a difference between effectiveness and efficiency basically. Right. Um, and so you, you, I, this definitely has, has made me think that I need to stop like doing so many of the, like I'm swallowing up a lot of time a in work, but that's besides the point. Um, but also B in just thinking that I need to do all these things and, Oh, you need to read the whole thing. You need to read the whole book or, or, Oh, you need to like, I'm doing all this stuff that probably I can just ask somebody how this works, have a, have a short conversation 
and then I will know how this works. I don't have to sign up for Skillshare necessarily, or I don't have to, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not doing this step very well. So I definitely want to visit that and like sit on that one a little bit. Yeah. Um, a for automation. I would have thought that this would be the one that was like the future proof one. Like, but oh, no. weirdly, this was the one that was the most dated, the like most the, dated. Yeah. yeah. The methods on this one were just, you know, but but basically automation, you need to put your uh, income. It, it needs to be flowing in without you really doing as much so that you can be focusing on the next problems or how you can be working on your own stuff or in, in living your case, life. Yeah, in, in his case, living your life and doing the doing the stuff, whatever your new rich life is and stuff like that. So this one definitely um, needs some modernization, I feel like, because, well, like, first of all, he's really keen on hiring an assistant, but I'm pretty sure we have like the technological means that, you know, for, for I'm sure for you and me, an assistant would be great, right? But can't we just replicate one with technology with like the technology that we currently have. Yeah. I, I do think there are modern versions of this that well, I don't think it'll reduce your week to four hours, but I think it'll knock out four days of like potential work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, there are automated responses you can set up for your email or your Facebook. There yeah. are uh, scheduling programs where you can schedule all your social media posts and you can, spend a day doing that and schedule all your posts for the month. And all you have to do is hit okay. And then you're done. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's basically saying that, you know, in this case, um, and, and this is kind of the structure that he was talking about. He's, I think he used, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing cause I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he, he basically said that you need to, uh, learn how to create a system that will automate most of your processes such that you don't have to be in a physical location to do your job. Now, this is why this is actually kind of interesting giving modern modern context, because two years ago, three years ago, my job never would have been like, oh, yeah, Atish, you can just work from home. You know, they, they never would have done that. And yet now, all of a sudden, I exclusively work from home. Right. And even when our offices open back up, I've been granted permission to just work from home continually, which by the way, that's another conversation that I, I want to start, uh, you know, cause it's like, well, I don't have to work f f here. So that means I don't have to live in Phoenix. So where can I live? I can live in Bali. I can go visit <laughs> my cousins in Singapore. <clears throat> yeah, I, I could do that. I was kind of more thinking, uh, anyways, well, I, I was thinking more about starting a, a real podcast network in Tucson, but Oh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Oh, I was thinking big. Oh, get yeah, it. you were you were thinking uh, uh, influencer, Instagram influencer lifestyle. Yeah, um, but yeah, basically what he's saying is you need to get yourself off of the structure of the nine to five job that you're working, and you need to uh, be able to just automate processes or automate your work. And here's kind of where here's kind of where I have mixed thoughts because. It, did you feel like a little bit of like an ethical sort of thing here? That well, it's like, I'm all for, you know, screw the man and all that kind of stuff. And I'm here to work on my dreams, not somebody else's. But at the same time, it's like, he's basically saying, yeah, as soon as you don't work at a desk, you can do your 40, like your, whatever your week's worth of work is in 10 hours. And then you have the rest of the days free. But it's like, 
well, yeah, but don't you feel kind of weird collecting a check? Like, I, I guess if you actually are doing all, all the responsibilities of your job, it doesn't matter. But is that kind well, of weird? Well, it is. It's, I think it's a weird concept to cons- or hop on board with. Yeah. I mean, we've been taught our entire lives. You have to work 40 hours a week to right. make X amount of dollars to right. get X amount of retirement, to get X amount of whatever you need, blah, yeah, blah, for, blah, For blah. whatever reason, yeah. But, you know, there are people out there that have that give speeches for an hour for a million dollars. And it's like, what, how much work do they really put into a speech that they've given, you know, four or five times? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I do think the, 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 I feel like what you're talking about is uh, a self worth thing versus uh, mm, like practical execution, a, uh, 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 like practical definition of yeah. what work is. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And maybe that's, and and to that point, it's like I'm very uh, like I'm still recovering from being very bought into the whole system, right? Uh-huh. Like, go to college. Everybody goes to college, right? And this and that and that. Like, I'm still kind of recovering from that. So I might feel like there's an ethical piece to it, but they're really if I'm delivering what I say that I want to deliver or that I'm obligated to deliver, I mean that is just more effective. That's efficiency. That's you know. So maybe it's not. I feel like you're right. I might be a little tied into more of the, there might be some other component there. That's not quite like being just precise about this. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so essentially what he's positing and here's, here's actually where I thought that this was kind of interesting because it's, it's different. It's, I, I don't know. This is kind of what I want your take on. He says to really become a member of the NR, the new rich and to, uh, you know, only work the four hours per week. The goal isn't to run a business but the goal is to own a business and automate most things and spend no time on it. And everything that you can't automate, you outsource. And it's like, I was trying to imagine how you do that at Elephant Scout. You can't. Right. It's like you're, you're directly tied in because it's like, wait, you have to direct these things. You have to, it's like you are tied into the process. Yeah. Like, how would you go about doing that? Right. Well, I think the part of Elephant Scout that would be automated is the uh, outside stuff of it. The Let's say we have a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. You know, I'd be on YouTube for, I do a video every week, let's say. I hop on camera for an hour. I have someone else edit it and have them upload it and, uh, and respond to comments and all the hate it's going to get because everyone on the internet is the worst. Uh, the social media aspect of everything. What if we did merchandise? So like mm-hmm. all the, all those things outside of the products that I would want to actually be creating. Mm, so I all think these is, like auxiliary products. Right. So the main product is still the films, is Elephant Scout films. Right, right. But the auxiliary kind of stuff is like the social media, the the merchandising, the et cetera, et cetera. It's like those are all things that you could actually be automating and outsourcing. Right. Because like, let's, let's, let's say with this podcast, I want to... Right now, I'm trying to write some episodes so we can get more episodes recorded so then we can edit them. So uh-huh. this last week, I've had to set up a web page. I had to set up a new podcast host for the podcast. I had to make a poster. I had to write a description of the show. I had to write ad copy for the trailer. And then on top of that, I'm writing scripts. I'm recording with actors. I'm editing mm-hmm. the recordings with the actors. I'm doing the sound design on it. And it's it's, you know, if I could let go of half of that, yeah. And the half would be the marketing part. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could say I want this, this and this, because I do think uh, 
I have a, uh, a pretty good take on marketing sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, just execution always falls short because I'm just one person. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you may have the concept completely right and stuff like that, but because you're tied up in so many different other aspects of, of the, the company, basically, uh, it's impossible to really full ass any of these things. Right, right. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what I was thinking because I was like, man, I don't know how you automate Chris's side of the job. Like I could see how you could automate like other like because you do have a team and you have had like an intern here or there or something like that. And that makes sense that they they all play different forms and functions in different roles. But I was like, how do you take Chris Scott's job in Elephant Scout, which is like the creative director of the whole damn thing? It's like, how do you take that and automate it? I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. So it is what it is. So here's kind of the steps uh, that was like this was actually in like. Okay, so how do you go about doing this? Uh, he basically says that you have to pick, uh, and and this fits it. It fits, but it it goes. And I'm actually pretty happy to see how well Flow Roll actually fits this model. So I'm kind of curious if this is something I can start executing against. Uh, but this also fits the Blue Ocean strategy that we talked about in Creativize, Strategize, Synergize. Um, we're basically saying you have to pick a niche market. That isn't too okay. Random aside, niche or niche? Oh, um, I think it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I say I say niche because I think it's fun, more fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you're you're picking a niche market that isn't too uh, what what was called in in Blue Ocean uh, that's not Red Ocean, basically not an oversaturated place. You can't try and just like enter the market and automate work when you are entering a like super competitive space. Um, but, but basically find an affordable niche market. Like what is something within your bounds that you can actually, cause right now, if Alfred scout tried to be competing with, um, you know, the major studios, no, you, yeah. you know, it's like, Chris doesn't have millions and millions and millions of dollars to make a movie. So like that's, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But in Tucson, you're putting on events for films, which nobody does. I think we talked about that the other week. Like uh-huh. I've been to to screenings and stuff like that, and they never are an, an elephant scout event. You know what I mean? Like they're never like that. Um, so you're finding yourself like a niche sort of way to do that. You're doing scripted podcasts. You're doing all like you're finding that market. What's interesting about what Tim Ferriss says is like, don't create the product first and then try and put that into a market. He's saying you first find a market that you're just generally sort of interested in, then identify your customers and then develop a product for them, which is kind of, that kind of also follows the elephant scout product as well, because it's like you have, you're a mission directed company. You know, it's like, it's like you have these grand scale ideas of telling stories with more diversity and inclusion than actually occurs in Hollywood and being able to do it within your hometown and not having to move to LA or New York or stuff like that. Like it's like that ultimately is kind of a defining market in a, in a sort of sense. It's, it's a little bit more niche. Um, he then goes on to say that he's like, you brainstorm your products and you are trying to keep it as cheap as possible, but also be marketable. So you need to be able to watch your costs in production and watch your costs in marketing. And that's kind of what I thought was interesting is that I feel like those are the things that can be automated. Right. 
like as opposed to automating most of your like your job or something it's like those are the, the types of things that i think are are automatable automate automatable i don't sure. yeah it's it, you know the marketing of a product and the production of the product like that theoretically i mean not the production on your side because that you know obviously we just yeah, well, I'm, def I'm definitely a uh, unique case. Yeah, you, you don't exactly fit the four-hour workweek model, I feel like. Now, if you just started selling uh, uh, T-shirts, then maybe, <laughs> but but you're in a completely different industry. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I mean, well, I think the easier way to approach this is with a product like yours. It's an actual thing you can sell. Yeah, it's it's a thing, and, and that was sort of what I was thinking, because then he's saying, you know... Um, you do little micro tests that are repeatable both for like marketing and for sales. Like, is there a demand for your product? And then also like assess the validity of your product. And I was like, huh, that sounds really a lot like what I'm doing now. Right. Like it's like I make, I'm doing it really, really on the cheap, which it sounds like he supports. Right. Like I, I'm not, I don't have a fancy lab. I'm not getting them lab tested yet though. I would like to uh, in the future, but right now I'm doing it on the cheap. I'm making it myself. I lab, I test it myself and then I test it with uh, potential customers to see if there's a demand and to see if there's a good product fit. So then he says, once you have that product fit and once you have the product that sells and it's been tested and all this kind of stuff, it's time to automate all of that. So then you, um, then you basically are outsourcing companies to make the product. Then you are outsourcing freelancers or people to market the product. And you're just, I mean, and, and I want to touch on this in our next episode where we're kind of modernizing it. But here is where I would say you do e-commerce. Like you don't, that would be a sense of automating because it's like you don't have to sell in the same way that it seemed like he was kind of positioning in this book. Like, I don't, you don't have to sell in that way anymore. We, we have a different way to do it now. Right. Everything's so, different. Like you don't even, because he was kind of talking about how he would, uh, uh, through the internet or through, you know, making phone calls, he was selling to distributors. But I, that's the part that I think is kind of an old model, right? Because how many distributors have brick and mortar stores anymore? Right. Or, or even how many, especially now with COVID, it's like how many of these brick and mortar stores are we actually going to? Exactly. Everything's so, online now. Yeah. So, so I, I think that there's another way to automate that as well. Um, and then lastly, um, the last part was the the 80 20 rule which man i reference so much and i don't remember if i learned it here if i learned it from somewhere else but basically what he posits it's also known as the pareto principle um what he posits is that uh 20 of the work or 20 percent of the people or 20 percent of you know etc really drives 80 percent of the results so uh, you need to focus really more on the 20% <clears throat> of clients or 20% of sales or 20% of, you know, whatever. In, in the case of Elephant Scout, I would assume it's 20% of the activities. Like that would be the thing. It's like you need to focus on the 20% of activities that actually really drive 80% of success for, for the company uh, as opposed to, and, and I think that goes back into, um, into that time management, that elimination, right? Right. Eliminate the eliminate worrying about the like all the clients and stuff like that or all the sales or all the things that you want to do with Elephant Scout. It's like you need to just focus. You need to eliminate those things and just focus on the 20 percent of stuff that really drives 80 percent of the value for the company. Ostensibly, 
once you have done all of these things, you're now ready for what he calls a liberation. So this is L in deal, right? We had D, definition, E, elimination, A, automation, L, liberation. That's a lot of mations. A lot of nations. Rhythm Nation is the next one. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I only just realized that he definitely picked those words specifically. Like, I only just realized that, oh, yeah, they all sound the same. Like, that, that's, you know, obvious. And what he says here is that, um, you know, you need to get yourself out of your company. You need to uh, basically demonstrate that you can work from home or that you don't need to be in the office. You need to, like, show that you can basically leave. You don't have to be in your nine to five. You're working remote, blah, blah, blah. And that will allow you to basically do your job in less time and then focus on your other stuff during the rest of time. And um, it's just crazy reading this because most people work from home now. Like, isn't that wild? It is wild that like it took a pandemic to open everyone's eyes to the realization of this, that, oh, I yeah. don't have to work 40 hours. Yeah. Oh, I don't have to leave my bed. Exactly. If, if everything was failing and that's, that's kind of the weird thing because it was two years ago when I was at the company that I was current, you know, that I'm currently at, we had to like argue for being able to take one day off a week that we would just work from home if we wanted to. And they were just like, oh, like they were really dragging their feet. And now all of a sudden we're working from home and nothing has changed. In fact, we've put up record breaking quarters and stuff like that. Like it, it's so funny that this used to be something that you would have to like, he walks you through how you should bring this up with your boss and like you should do that. And it's, and I think that those, that's all really valuable stuff, but isn't it just a crazy marker of the time that that used to be unheard of. It's like, oh, I, I want to work for remote. I don't want to be in the office, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, now it's the standard. Right. I wonder how we got that standard of 40 hours a week. I wonder where that came from. Do you know the history of, the, of 40 hours a week? I don't. Actually. Also, do you think he picked four hours because he took the zero off the 40? Probably, right? Probably. Like he, he basically, he's like, ah, we're just going to d- divide your time by a factor of 10. I don't know. How do uh, how do I make the forty more efficient? Well, I take the zero off. Yeah, make it a yeah. four. But what I really liked about this though is that he um, has a section specifically about like easing people's worries about this because like obvi- like I'm st- like I said I'm still recovering. I'm I'm not quite you know uh, uh, completely bought into to the different lifestyle. But he you know assuages your worries about like that quitting will permanently fuck up your career and you won't be able to like do, do any kind of job again that, um, you know, your, uh, resume will be fucked up forever that, you know, whatever it's like, he has a section specifically dedicated to being like, no, 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 no. Like everything's fine. You're, you can pick up at any time. It's, it doesn't matter. And that really, uh, helps me with (laughs) thinking when I start to think about this kind of stuff, because I'm going to be honest, it's like, that's exactly what, uh, what, uh, you know, I, I uh, worry about uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff. I worry that like, oh man, I'm shooting myself in the foot basically. Um, but yeah, then he, then he goes on to say that, you know, you should uh, have little mini retirements. Like you should just every couple of like a year or, you know, whatever you should do a three month vacation or maybe a year long vacation or just like experience mini retirement. And that, I think that assumes quite a lot. It does assume a lot. It assumes that you have hit it big and you're at a place where you're comfortable enough to not do anything. 
Like your yeah. passive income is such at such a point to where it's more than your usual income. So it does assume a lot, I think. And I don't think that's achievable for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I because, because even like running a startup where you outsource most of the work and stuff like that, it's like I, I, I get the idea. And I think that that works really well with like business models like um, like supplements or like because he, he even is talking about his company was a supplement company. That's what he's talking about in the book. And it's disturbingly similar to the stuff that I'm trying to do. So I'm like, oh, shit, is this really old hat? Like, like, am I still doing stuff from 2007? Um, but luckily, I've got a modern spin on it. But um, but yeah, it's like it's I, you know, like we were saying for Elephant Scout, it's like I just don't see how that model still works now. If you do hit it big, you sell a big script or you do one big movie, then yeah, you can probably take a mini retirement and then come back with another one. But it's like that's that's levels different. You know what I mean? It's like that's I just don't know how feasible that is for especially someone in your position where it's like in order for a good story to be told, you have to be doing it. Like, I don't know how else you get around that. Right. Like, like even aside from Elephant Scout. Like every production, like film production work, it's it's gig work. It's not a consistent stream of income. I have, I'm wait. I don't know when my next job is going to be. Right. I don't know when I, when I'm on a job if I'm going to have another job the following week because it's so uh, finite and their availabilities and and durations of those gigs that pop up. It's not a, a nine to five. It's not consistent, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh, it's it's there's no way to automate it there's just no way to automate that yeah yeah i uh you know i don't uh, so i guess to kind of summarize it all up i think what i like about this book is i do like the like the reframing i think definitions d is is my favorite chapter uh although uh, elimination should be my favorite chapter because i need to do that's the one i need to work on right but yeah but the reason why I like this book, and I think the reason why, like, I'll, let me ask you a, a kind of vague question. Would you recommend this book to a, to a, like, let's say you've got a friend who works a regular nine to five. They're kind of interested in becoming an entrepreneur. They're like, you know, Chris, I really want to uh, kind of work for myself. I want to, you know, you work for yourself. Like, how do you, would you recommend this book to, to somebody like that? Or, or would you maybe not? Uh, that's a tough question. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. Really? I feel like this book kind of uh, plays to the, uh, I don't know, the, the notion that, you know, everybody has a, like in the film world, everybody has a good idea for a movie, but nobody knows how to sit down and write the script and film it and edit it and, and distribute it and to get mm-hmm. it in front of an audience. And I feel like a lot of people have this grand idea of, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, I want to retire on the beach when I'm 40. I want to, you know, do these, I want to travel Europe with my backpack. Uh, I'm sure that's what people do still. Yeah. Probably not right now. <laughs> no, not right now. Not right now, but there's a new, there's a new variant of COVID there. No, nobody's doing that right now. <laughs> and I feel like this book kind of plays to that, that, mm. that dream, that, that I, ideal of being this type of person. And I, I don't think this is, achievable for a lot of people and yeah. i think the way it's presented it makes it to uh lifestyles of the rich and famous versus yeah. practical yeah. and down to earth 
Yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. It does. It does skew a little broad. You know what I mean? Like it does. It does skew a little bit like here's how you hit it big and you make sure you can fucking uh, do your job from Cabo and, you know, whatever. Like it, it it's not as pragmatic and down to earth as, as it could be. I, I think you're right. Like there, there's, and it does, it is a very specific type. So for me, I would, I, I think I would still recommend this book, but in, in like, I would reframe it essentially. I, I reframe it more as like a psychology book or how you need to like change, because I think the definitions chapter that that's the one that holds all the value, right? It's like, you can have the light, basically what it's stating, and it's ironically, it's the most woo-woo chapter out of all right, of them. As right. opposed to, you know, but what it's stating is if you change the definitions about what you are expected to get out of life or what you want out of life or, you know, what what a career looks like to you or all that kind of stuff, if you change those definitions, then ultimately you are changing the rules to the game and you are, you know, reframing that. That part I agree with, and I would give that to a young entrepreneur because it's like you have to kind of get yourself, like I'm... I think now this is like the third or the fourth time I'm saying it, but it's like, I'm still kind of struggling how to, how to get out of this mindset because I, I've always thought that like, Oh, I'm going to get a PhD. I'll be in academia and I'll do that until I'm 75 and then I'll retire. You know, it's like, it's a completely different reframe. And the first thing you have to do is not immediately think you're fucked. Right. Like that's basically the, so I would still, I think the first chapter, especially, or after all the preface stuff, you know, whatever. And so D in deal, uh, like, I, I still think that that's a, a really great chapter that, you know, but maybe that's the one that I would give to people. Maybe not the whole thing. Maybe I don't recommend the whole thing, but I would I would certainly that part, at least I, I align with. Right. I, I, I that's that's probably a, a good thing to maybe not the book, maybe like a, a modern uh, take of it. Yeah. Like, oh, read this blog post about it. That's a yeah. little more up to date, especially, you know, focus on this aspect of this. Right. Exactly. Uh, or, or, you know, listen to uh, the very next episode of Robin Profitable. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have something for you. Maybe we will. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was, it was good to refresh my memory because I'd, I'd read this book, you know, kind of a long time ago. Uh, it, there were, there was a whole lot more alignment and, and that kind of makes me feel good in a sense. Like I, I do feel like I'm, I'm onto something because there was more alignment, uh, now than there was ever before, because before I was just, I could only think about the concepts of what he was doing, but now I'm kind of thinking about, okay, well, what am I doing with flow roll? And maybe this is a new way to think about it. Like, it's just way more applicable now. Uh-huh. Uh, so I did enjoy rereading, but to your point, I think it, it assumes a lot. Like I think the book assumes a whole lot and I think it, um, the, the methodologies are a little, uh, a little dated. Like you said, it was 2007. I think you're, you're right that most of the research and most of the writing of the book probably occurred obviously before that. So really it's even more dated than we think. So I think that there are some modernizations. There's some modern, uh, you know, spins that you can bring to it, but overall, Read the first half. If you're still game, keep going. But but yeah, uh, I, just I think, don't fall. Don't fall for it. Yeah, I exactly. feel like a lot of people could fall for this. Yeah, I I, I mean I think we referenced well, the secret earlier, and I think a lot of people made vision boards a long time ago, and nothing fucking happened. So well, everybody got uh, they were done secreting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But I, I'm, uh, but when I say don't fall for it, don't fall that this is the end all be all answer to your dreams and goals. You know, you do have to do some work. Get the you know really define do the the definition part. Just really define what's good and good for you. What you really want. What makes you happy and mm-hmm. be, be be you know if it's something you have to do forty hours a week, that's fine. Just yeah. figure it out and just enjoy what you're doing. Man, I don't, I don't think I could sum it up any better than that. That's Yeah, enjoy what you're... Ultimately, I think that's the name of the game. And I think that's the the part maybe that could be brought up in this book the most. Is that like, it's not just about automating your life. And it's not just about gaining time back and whatever. But have a have, find something you love to do. And maybe that's maybe that's the, the topic of a book we should... We should uh, visit later on in the show but uh anyways oh, no. another book another book <laughs> another book hey what's man the other I, book? what's that what's that book principles oh principles i missed that part no, no 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 oh what is the book that we should we should look into no not principles um uh i, I don't know i'm i'm looking for a book I, I'm i'm just thinking that there might be something out there that's more focused less about like here's how you delegate work and you, you outsource and this is how you can free up time. But something more about like, how do you go about finding something that you really love to do that you can actually execute against? I think that's kind of the valuable part that we want to pull out. Right. Okay. So yeah, maybe another book, but uh, (laughs) it won't be as long as principles, I swear. And uh, make sure it aligns with the E elimination. Right. Right. Yeah. That, and that's something. So I've heard that concept made me think of, again, my new guru. I reference him. I feel like I say this every episode of the podcast we have these days. But this guy, Novel Ravikant, he's my new guru. He's the new guy, right? He says something where he's just like, he reads constantly. He doesn't really watch TV or anything like that. But he also says, I don't buy this concept of like having to read an entire book or having to do whatever. He's like, oftentimes a book will have one really great concept but then they'll spend the rest of the book explaining, re-explaining, and giving examples. He's like, if I really understand the concept, I don't need to do all the other stuff. So he he kind of just like reads sections out of books. He gets the concept. He thinks about it, you know, whatever. And then he moves on. And this guy is a – it might be different for him because he's a genius. So, you know, it might be a different game there. But um, – in any event, uh, I, since we are breaking these up instead of doing one <laughs> just super cast, uh, anything to plug? Anything? Well, you you kind of referenced your uh, your scripted podcast. Won't you uh, scripted drop those podcast? Dates on us? Uh, go ahead and look up Tucson Heat wherever podcasts are available, or go to elephantscout.com slash podcast for more information. And you could subscribe and follow along so you don't miss an episode. We're uh, premiering February 23rd. Beautiful. Um, let's see. You can find me at, at Tish Mazish on Instagram. That's my personal. Um, I finally have the January stack done for uh, Ramen Profitable Reading List. So the social media might uh, create it tomorrow while I'm waiting for my flight. Why not? Um, so I've got my first stack. Got our first books to talk about, the things uh, that'll really work. Four-hour work week is one of them. So now instead of a four-book stack, I'm actually ahead of my progress on my goal towards 52 books this year, as I got five out in the month of January. So thanks for uh, putting us through the four-hour work week. 